welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. Frazier part was right, but the Rick Hale, we jettisoned him for the night. It's his anniversary, and so he wanted to be with his wife. So sitting in for Rick tonight on our first night back after a little time off is our good friend Chucky G. Chucky. What's up, Ken? What's, What's up? up? What's up, sister? <laughs> well, now you just sound like Cheryl's voice when she called there earlier. Yes, I'm going to be Cheryl tonight. I am Cheryl Knight. <laughs> Cheryl is now living in Tennessee. She no longer lives in California, so we are now coming to you from Tennessee. She, she doesn't have a southern accent yet. I'm a little surprised by that. I expected uh, immediately that the southern accent would take over, but she does uh, have a bad cold. So, Cheryl, say hi to the people. Hi, y'all. Oh, I, I was expecting. <laughs> there you go. Got the y'all in there. Hello. Hello. Hi, y'all. What's up? <laughs> Thanks for making fun of me in my cold, by the way. She's from the, so, I'm sorry, so, it's not like the southern hood there for a minute. Sorry about that. So you and Chad are all moved in, and you're now Tennesseeites, or what do you call that? People from Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee. Mount Folk? I Tennesseans. Mean, what are we called what? now, Chad? Tennesseeites? Sagoins. I don't think Even that's right. Even he doesn't know. I don't think that's right. <laughs> what the heck? Oh, is he that? says we're just called uh, hillbillies. So okay. So have you learned the banjo yet? Not yet, but I have signed up for a class. Okay, and yeah. the accordion. No. no. Is Chad going to play the accordion and you the banjo, or are you going to just do the dueling banjos thing? I think we're going to do dueling banjos. Mm, it's a pretty cool song. Yeah. It, you know, it makes you think of deliverance, but that's okay. That's you probably right. need to have that image in your head just so you can be on alert. Have you found any oil lately? No, no oil. No bubbling, no bubbling no, crude. N- no, no bubbling crude. No, but we did have Black the oil in the, Texas teas. in the car changed. And what? <laughs> so we had the oil in the car changed. She well, totally doesn't know that we're Beverly Hillbillies. It's just right over that. No, that no, no. I, I, I knew. Ex- singing the song hey, too for a minute. I there. knew exactly <laughs> what you guys were talking about. Okay. Well, you just moved away from the swimming pools and the movie stars, darling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, welcome to your new home. Thank you. And it's so good for all of us to be back. And we actually had to. We it, it was hit or miss as to whether we were going to get on the air tonight. Oh yeah, it was. Like First of all, my Skype stopped working. Mm-hmm. And we do the show with Skype. Yep. Then my internet was out this morning, but I managed to fix it myself because you fixed it yourself. It's because you're doing everything, Karen. You're doing myself. all this stuff. That's right. And then I get this call from a guy that says he's Cheryl. <laughs> yes, my voice I got that is call not too. that bad. Yeah, and what Come did on. that guy tell me, Cheryl? Well, our cable got knocked out. Our cable got, yeah, knocked out by Yanked accident. Yanked out of the wall. Yeah, and then we were like, well, can we fix it or not? And then so we finally determined that Chad was able to fix it. So we are here. And then the hazy site was down. It was. It was down. But against all odds, in a world where the universe doesn't want... No, Chuck should be doing this. In a world where the universe doesn't want paranormal underground on the air, one woman overcame it all. 
persevere to become on the radio live. <laughs> That's right. And Getting this up. is this result that you're hearing, this uh, weirdness, <laughs> this is what we fought so hard to do today. You're welcome, world. <laughs> Joy. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a good guest tonight. It's Art Mills. And he is the author of, remind me of the name of the book, which I just downloaded. It is called The Empty Lot Next Door, Ma'am. The Empty, the empty the Lot, lot Next, next Door. door. Yeah. And if that doesn't sound creepy as heck. Oh, the, the, the creepiest heck part there is, is the chilling bone-chilling ghost candle face. <gasps> Sweet. I love bone-chilling ghosts. I know, so do I. So, Cheryl, in the new home, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, the verdict is still out. All right. Yeah. I'm I'm going to say yes. Okay. There's got to be a change in like uh like when you go out for places for food, there's got to be that's got to be totally different for you. No, I meant she, no, we we I, I my verdict is that she she has a ghost in the new house. <gasps> what? Really? Well, let's just say there's been a couple of things already, but I don't know. We have to investigate some things. I think I think if you just keep talking the way you're talking, you'll scare them away. <laughs> You know, go, because here's, go away, here's, go away. Here's the thing. If it's some, from somebody from the South and time past, mm-hmm. they oh, yeah. don't really understand the concept of a transgendered person, which is kind of what you seem like oh, right now God. with the voice and the... Yeah, good points. Mm-hmm. I think you get scared away just like that. All right. We'll see. I'll let you know how it goes. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I say yes. So, um, and I base that just on... Yes. Yeah. Is Chad really hearing voices? Um, I don't. I didn't know about that. He didn't no? tell me about voices. Did he type no. that in the chat room or something? He typed it in the chat room. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Cheryl's getting a little worried now. What? Right. He's talking. Well, apparently, more things have happened that I don't know about. <laughs> Wonderful. I know. So, so let's what, see. What, what, what? Oh wait, what? why do why, why do we think there's ghosts? I mean, besides Chad hearing voices, did you see Because something he also different? heard someone walking on the second story floor of the one story house. Oh. Well Okay, so that's the whole story. Yeah, that's part of the story. And just some lighting issues. Um we have to check out if it's electrical. I do or... think you need to call an electrician just to make sure. <laughs> just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean after the after the internet I would probably yeah, I would probably go with Karen on that one. <laughs> just to make sure. Well somebody yanking the cable out of the wall. That was that was not a ghost. <laughs> no. No, it was a that was a possessed person. I would just cable that was out. Human error. <laughs> it was, yeah. <laughs> It was really more of a garbage can intervention, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the joys of living in a new place. You know, I've lived in my place for 11 years now, and so, so, and you know what's really funny? Okay, so we've lived in this house for 11 years, and in our living room, we actually have a great room. It's um, The room itself is about 1,400 square feet. It's a very big room. Nice. And so it has several tracks of lights as a result, and all of the light switches are on one wall, and I still have to turn every light switch on and off on that entire track of light switches to get the lights I want on after 11 years. That's right. You haven't memorized like which ones go on and off? No, not a clue. <laughs> I love the answer. No, not a clue. Well, why? How, how do you know? You have a lot of time in your hands. I think you should be able to memorize now. You have lots here's of time the, in your hands. Here's the thing. It's yes. I, I, I have a very poor sense of spatial relations. Like oh, we used okay. to have to take those 
uh, tests, pre-college tests when we were in high school. And mm-hmm. I would score in the 98th percentile on verbal and my English and my math and my science and everything else. And my spatial relations and mechanical reasoning mm-hmm. sections would be like the 38th percentile. I have a very big defect. <laughs> I have no sense of spatial relations and I have no sense of mechanical reasoning. <laughs> so, <laughs> just not very smart there. Well, how about, how about, like, couldn't you put, like, little, like, stickers underneath, like, this is for this flat, and you know what I mean? Like, mark them? Oh, uh, well, I, I suppose, but, you know, it doesn't take long to cycle through them. There's only, like, six <laughs> stitches. It's, lethar- it's, it's, it's lethargic, for, isn't it? It's not lethargic. What's it? It's, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, where it, it's, it, it feels good as you're doing it, you know what I mean? You're just oh, like, therapeutic? Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, it's, 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 I get my that. little OCD out, light on, light off, light on, light off. <laughs> Jim probably thinks he's like in a disco. It's like... Cathartic. <laughs> Cheryl says the word is cathartic. Cathartic? I knew yes. it was something like that. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you for the cathartic. I didn't know. That, that is definitely not lethargic. No. So let's see other big, other big exciting things. Um, I, you know, I, well, we had our uh, time off. My mm-hmm. husband chose that time to have a heart attack, but mm-hmm. he's fine. It was a very minor one. Um, so now his life is turned upside down because his wife won't let him eat much of anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's the Nazi. He, that's what he's calling me, the health Nazi. Yeah. yeah Tough beans. That's right. Which, by the way, butt. he cannot eat. Um, <laughs> beans? He can't? Oh, I'm sorry, Jim. I know. Well, it's no, it's a little better. Things are a little less gassy around here. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> Really, he can't. I just told him he couldn't, but took those out of the diet for my own personal. <laughs> oh, see, I, <laughs> yeah, you're just like Jim. I would, I would check the writing on these diets, sir. <laughs> He's stuff. gone already. He left. <laughs> Darn it. No, actually, he, he's, uh, you know, so he's he's doing great. He's actually in, it, it was uh, about two and a half weeks ago that he heart, had the heart attack. He's already lost 15 pounds, two pound sizes, you know. Bam, look at that. I know. Well, when you have a heart attack when you're 50 years old, it's a wake-up call, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a wake-up yeah. call anytime you have a heart attack, but yes, that is correct. Yeah, yeah it definitely is. And, and so, I, you know, what I was telling you off here is that I was actually moving him in this direction dietarily anyway, but I was too, trying to do it so gradually as that he wouldn't notice. Mm-hmm. And eventually what happened is he had the heart attack, and I thought, well, screw this gradual, and boom, this is the way it is, dude. <laughs> so. and, it, and then you had your son, and he went to college, right? Yeah, my son's off to college. We're empty nesters, and um, yeah, so the house is my quiet, son, but that's okay. That's, that's good. Yeah, my son uh, moved out. Um, my youngest son finally moved out with his two roommates, so they're living the dream, as they say. Um, so he's dream. out of the house. So yeah, we have one left. That's the daughter. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else happened. Uh, oh, my car broke down. It cost eight hundred bucks. That was really fun. Oh, that's that's a great way to spend some time. Oh, yeah, that's that's where I was crying for like an hour. But um, yeah, so I had to put money into that. And now recently, my upstairs bathroom toilet is leaking. <gasps> nice. Yeah, I, I go- I know, I go in the basement, I'm like, why is there water on this ledge? And then I look up and I hear the flushing, because my daughter's up there, I look up and the water's dripping down, I'm like, oh, are you kidding uh, me? I wonder how long it's been leaking, and I hope it hasn't created mold. 
Yeah, I'm hoping to. Well, I'm gonna, you know, this weekend I'm gonna have to pull it off the floor and see. But I'm assuming probably not too long. But I don't know. You know what I mean? I I I went to go to my toolbox because it's over there, and that's how I saw it. Um, and it's funny because we just had it fixed like a year ago. We had it, you know, resealed. So wow, it lasted a whole year. Gee, thanks, Mister Plumbers. Yeah. So yeah. So now I have to play uh, Mario and get in there and be the plumber and see if I can fix it. Well, good for you. I, you know, that's that's dream, America. Man. That's what America is all about. Darn it! That's right. Being it's living the dream, fix, folks. Being able to fix your own toilet or your own internet. Mm-hmm. There you yes. go. We're and so dream. here we are. It is um, uh, now six fifteen. Well, it's six fifteen here on the West Coast. You people in flyover states over and states. on the East Coast. <laughs> um, it's it's not six fifteen for you. It's no, it's eight fifteen. Yes. Nine fifteen for for Cheryl. Cheryl's gonna have to stay up awfully late on Thursday nights now. I'm so I tired. I know. <laughs> anyway, so let's do this. Let's take a break. Do you actually have a break loaded up, Cheryl? I do. Oh, good. Okay, so we'll take a break and we will come back and we'll be talking to Arthur Mills about the empty lot next door. Stick around, guys. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network, y'all. From UFOs, hauntings, psychic phenomena, demonology, urban legends, and so much more, where all these things come together. Paranormal Underground Magazine. Explore the unexplained. Do you want to keep up with what's going on at Paranormal Underground? Then tweet us on Twitter at Paranormal UG. Or follow us on Facebook at Paranormal Underground. Meet us on MySpace, Paranormal Underground. There's no need to be in the dark about what's going on at Paranormal Underground. Join us on your favorite social networking site today. Hey, this is Karen Frazier, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington, in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, a paranormal memoir, my Wellington story continues. Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife, or to read an excerpt from the book, visit Dancing DancingWithTheAfterlife.com Thank you. Hey everyone, Chucky G here. Come join me on my show, In the Dark Radio, where we talk with guests on everything from ghosts to cryptids. Starting from 10.30pm to 12am Eastern, come into the zone and have some fun. Right here on the Hazy Radio Network. Join host Rick Hale along with paranormal investigator Chuck G on an exciting new web series. SCNIMEAREVENTS.org, YouTube, and UK's The Haunted Channel. Ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, urban legends, eerie events, chasing the unknown.
Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Karen Frazier and Chucky G with you. And I just wanted to make make a note that you that disclaimer you hear about you know the guests and the hosts and that's has nothing it doesn't reflect Hazy Network. I don't think that they actually make any other show do it but ours. Really? I think so. I think it's just us. Oh my god! I know. Uh, anyway, so um, Chuck is sitting in for Rick because Rick is you know he had to take his wife out on the anniversary. <laughs> What's it? Isn't that the sound? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a busy sound, but yeah, that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, I don't usually make that sound. Anyway, so that's happy okay. anniversary to Rick and Jamie. I hope that yeah. they're having a good time. And it's delightful for me because the always wonderful Chucky G is sitting in. So, <laughs> hey, Chuck, Keep thanks. It. Hey. I'm just Thanks. keeping the seat warm for Rick. You know, you're welcome. Anytime, All man. right. All right. So our guest has joined us. And let me tell you a little about him. His name is Art Mills, and he's a full-time husband, father, and a warrant officer in the U.S. Army. He's also a full-time author. He is the creator, and these sound really fascinating to me, of the Branching Plot Books, which is a book series devoted to the art of double meanings and reader interaction, which sounds like super cool and super creative. Um, branching Plot Books include the award-winning part memoir and part fiction novel The Empty Lot Next Door and the teen and young adult interactive fiction novel The Crawl Space as well as the modern day fable The Haves and Haves Nots. They have two children. Um, how do you say your wife's name? It's Yunsoon. Yunsoon. I like that. You have two children, Arthur and Alan, both boys, I am guessing. Yes. All right. Well, welcome to Paranormal Underground. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, so this branching plot books sounds like wickedly cool. First, let me tell you that. How did you come up with an idea? So, so first, describe the concept of the branching plot book, and then tell me how you came up with that idea. Well, I I like the uh, literary technique double entendre, which is uh, double meanings. Uh, when I was stationed in Korea, I was there for four years, and my two boys were very young. And we didn't have very much of a selection of books there at the PX, or, or a little Walmart, if you will, on base. So uh, I, I had to order all of my books through Amazon. And then while we're eating dinner, I would always ask my kids, like, what do you think about this book, you know, that one? And they all told me, oh, that book sucked. I hated this one. You know, the characters were unrealistic, you know. So more and more we talked about it. I kept saying, well, why don't you write your own books? And then they looked at me and said, why don't you write your own book? <laughs> so, and so I says, you know, actually, that's a good idea. So I'm, I then started putting ideas together. But the idea of branching plot books is so that individual readers can interpret the book any way he or she wants. Uh, for instance, the, the Empty Lot Next Door to most children and young adults, they see it as a ghost story, a child being haunted by a ghost. But older adults would say, no, you're crazy. It has a little to do with ghosts, but it's mostly about a child growing up in a dysfunctional family. 
Hmm. Or the, the, the haves and have-nots. If you are a conservative, you tend to think the book is more pro-conservative. But if you are a liberal, you tend to think the book is more pro-liberal. So it depends on who you are and your education and, and your morals will depend on how you see the book. And so it's it's confirmation bias. It's you see what you want to see. Right, exactly. Very cool. Um I also see that you were inspired by one of my favorite books ever, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, huh? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I it was third grade, it was a uh our third grade teacher read us Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And she had us at the end of it write a a one page sequel. It was just one page, but I kept writing and writing. I ended up getting over five pages, and the teacher would walk around and read over our, our shoulders. And then when she got to me, she picked up my paper and took it to the front, which I thought she was going to crumple and throw in the trash. But what she ended up doing is reading it to the entire class, and everybody was laughing. They really enjoyed it. And it was at that point is when I decided that I was, I was going to be a writer. Now, fast forward to 2010, I actually met her again at the school. They had a little surprise thing and had her at the school when I went to the school for, um, for a presentation. And I got to see her, and you know, I put a little acknowledgement in the book, you know, acknowledging that she was the one that got me into writing. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's a great story. And, you know, that's the power of books. And I think that story is really important because the power of books with young children, and I know a lot of kids say they don't like to read, but look at what the right book can do. I remember with my son, it was um, The Call of the Wild. Oh, my God. He just got sucked into that book and it changed everything. Yeah. So that's the power of, of finding the book that interests the child. That's right. That's right. It says the former, sorry, that's the former kindergarten teacher in me. All right. So, Chucky G., I know that you did some research and you have some questions. Well, yeah. I, I mean, first of all, I want to thank you for your service to our yes, country. Yes, thank you. Uh, I wanted to say that, too. Thank yeah. you. for. And I retire in December, so I'm really looking forward to that. Wow, Good for congratulations. You. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, my brother's in the Air Force, so he retired a while back. So that's that's really uh, great that you do that for us, though. So I really want to say thank you. Um, so, uh the book is it all i mean is it is it real is it not real what uh how would you how would you categorize the book that is a very interesting question because it's something that people has asked me for for years even before i wrote it i would explain the story especially in the army when we're out in the woods you know doing our, our training i will talk about it and people always ask me is it true and I would always say yes, but in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, I don't think so. So when I was stationed in Korea, I started doing research and it took me a year and a half to research things. And, and I interviewed people that still live in the neighborhood uh, mm-hmm. and got into microfiche and, and found actual newspaper clippings. And I then determined, yes, it is true. So in the book... If I had to put a percentage, I would say 80% is true and 20% is not true only because I really couldn't remember. I was 11 years old when it was going on, and and I started writing it when I was uh, 36. So, yeah, a lot of details were missing, so I I plugged them in as as best as I could. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I found it interesting, well, because it said that um, your childhood name was Ray. Right, yes. Not Art. So um, so that, that when I read that, I said, well, I have to take it as you're telling us from your perspective that that's why I, I figured most of it had to be somewhat based on your own experiences. And um, so, like, you know, for instance, all right, it's the empty lot next door. There's this hole in the ground. <laughs> People right. dare everybody, hey, don't go stepping in the hole or... Um, uh, the uh, or Candleface will come and get you, or whatever. And of course, you know, one kid daring another kid eventually gets to the point where you know someone's going to have to take up on that dare, which um, was you. Right. Um, and then when you popped in there, at first it says that you know nothing really happened, but then a- as the evening came, things started to uh, transpire. Correct. Right. Okay. So, and I found it, what I found interesting was that a lot of it had to do with um, you know, because I was bullied when I was a kid a lot, so I, I found it interesting that the, a lot of the bullies in the neighborhood were getting <laughs> no, for a better lack of a word bumped off, I guess, you know right. um, uh, by uh, this particular uh, entity, so was most of that based on reality also, or was that like some of the filling in the gaps kind of thing or like, you know, like the one with the where I talked about the, uh, I think it was one of the bullies that got hit by a car Right. And then she appeared and was that the part that I read with that was just creeped me out was a GI Joe and a car being smacked together. as She's making this screeching sound. Right. Uh, can yeah. you tell us, tell us a little bit about that? Cause that was really creepy to me. Okay. Well, those particular scenes that you talked about are real They're They actually happened. Uh, the, the things that I totally made up are, are really so minor in detail. People just really wouldn't mind, but that particular episode about the the car and the G.I. Joe. Uh, First, in the book, it shows a Hot Wheel car. It's 49 images in the book, and and one of them Mm -hmm. shows a G.I. Joe, was supposed to be a G.I. Joe and a car, but my artist could not, he's from India, and didn't know what a G.I. Joe is, so he (laughs) drew a wooden doll. So just for the record, I did not play with wooden dolls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you played with G.I. Joe. We get it. <laughs> yeah. And I kept sending him pictures of G.I. Joe's, and I says, okay, change the G.I. Joe to the uh, the doll to the G.I. Joe, and he, he couldn't get it. So I, I had to rewrite the whole thing into little wooden dolls. But right. so And that's an example of one of the things I had to, 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 to change a little bit. But uh, when we were really young, my brother Richard and I, his, Richard, his real name is Ricky, Okay. Uh, I just changed it a little bit in, in the book. Uh, Richard and I had a a kid that lived up the street named uh, Anthony, and this guy was a, a bully. He was the first bully that we, we really had. And one particular day, he, he came to our backyard, and we just started playing. Uh, and Richard and I didn't want to play with him. You know, we, we just didn't really care, uh, care much about him. And... As we played, he wanted to play hide-and-go-seek, and one of the places that he hid was in that hole, and the story about that hole is, you know, you know kids, kids always making up stories, but the, the neighborhood kid, uh, the neighborhood story was, if you hide in that hole, the spirits will come out and haunt you, and we pretty much half believed it but nobody really wanted to jump in there anyways 
But we saw him hiding in that hole, and Richard and I pretended not to see him. And so he just hid in there while Richard and I played. But when he came out of that hole, he gets so mad. He goes, why don't you want to come and search for me? You're, you're scared that the, the ghost of the little girl is going to come out and, and, and haunt you. So there was a little, little bullying there. And Andre uh, Anthony pulled out a, a little Hot Wheel car, uh, and he starts playing with it. And we were so mesmerized by that nice toy because this is a very poor neighborhood. No one has nice things. But we saw this toy that he had. It was really neat. And he said that it belonged to that girl that died in the fire because, you know, it's called The Empty Lot Next Door, the book. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's an empty lot because there used to be a house there that burned down in the mid-70s, about four or five years before I moved there. And he says it, it, it belonged to her, and now he has it. And he was bragging about how she died when he borrowed that car, and now he doesn't have to give it back. And uh, it was later that night when uh, you know Richard, Richard and I were, were talking about how mean – uh, Anthony is and ha- how he shouldn't be bragging like that. And it was just a few days later is when we heard uh, my my father told us that Anthony was killed by a car right in front of our house. Wow. And it was a car going down the down the street that hit him and actually cut him in, into two different pieces. Oh, it was, yeah. So it was a very gruesome killing. Uh, it was that night when Richard and I were sleeping uh, in the same room, and uh, we heard a knocking on the door. Uh, now, our house looked like a duplex because it had two front doors, one le- leading into the living room, one into our bedroom. Mm-hmm. So every year we always got two phone books because the mailman always thought it was two different houses, but it, it was just one. And um, Richard and I was like, who's going to answer the door? And I'm saying, well, you're the oldest. You go get it. And he was like, no, you go get it. But eventually, I got up to open the door, and there was no one there. I shut the door and went back, to, uh, laid back down, and then instantly, right when I got to the bed, I heard the knocking again. And by this time, Richard was like, whatever, and he just rolled over and went to sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's when I, I saw the door opening up, and whether, you know, it's up to the reader to decide, you know, was I sleeping or was I you know, seeing it for real. But mm-hmm. I saw this uh, this girl-like figure come up to my to my bed, kneel down, and of course, you know, our, our bedroom was really dirty and toys everywhere, and she grabbed one of my G.I. Joes, not a wooden doll, but a G.I. Joe, <laughs> and she grabbed um, one of my little Hot Wheel cars, and then she started playing with them on the bed, hitting them together and making a sound like as if they were crashing and I knew exactly what was going on she was replaying Anthony's death she was actually showing me and then she told me to be careful and watch my back oh that's great yeah it it was at that time my brother Richard was like go to sleep you baby As, as like he was hearing what was going on candle face uh looks at him and then slithers out of the house. Um, but it's important to, to explain why I named her Candleface. Of course, I was very young, and I didn't have much of a vocabulary to, to come up with a better name, but her face looked like 
a dripping candle. Just if you see a big round, you know, a cylinder type of cal- uh, um, candle and the drips would come down to the sides, that's what her face looked like. Because so, she'd been burned in a fire. Right. And I, I named her Candle Face. Wow. That's really scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as a little kid, how do you process that? Well, even as a kid, I wondered, am I dreaming or is this for real? So I always looked for hints. And one of the hints was handprints. The front cover of the book shows a handprint because it's yeah. very central to the, uh, to the story. Our house was built on a very high foundation, even though it's just a one-story building. But the foundation is very high. It's like uh, two to three feet up. And, uh, but around the house, there would be little handprints on the screen windows or actually on the glass on the outside. Because in my dreams, or for real, she would come in through the windows and come to my bedroom. And so I would go around looking for hints to determine if I'm dreaming or not. And I would see those handprints on the windows. And that was the clue to me that these were for real, not dreams. I see that on your website, the branching plot branchingplotbooks.com that you actually have, are these the illustrations from your book? Right, yes, those are the illustrations. So they actually show, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a picture of what, what she looked like to you. Right. She was scary looking. She was scary looking, and one thing I really couldn't capture in the pictures was the smell. Uh, it really smelt like burning flesh. And I could, when she was around, I could hear the sizzle, just like when my wife cooks like a steak, and that's what uh. I could hear. And so, when at times when she would climb up on my bed and straddle my chest and using her finger and just poking me right in the middle of the chest, I could hear the sizzle and I could smell the rotten flesh. And I would wake up in the morning, and, and my chest would be black and blue, right in the middle. That's horrifying. So were did you, I tell myself? You know, it's up to the reader to determine. Were you afraid to, I don't know, be alone, go to sleep, any of that stuff? As a kid, I would have been afraid, too. I was terrified. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not like being alone. My two older brothers, uh, Dan and Felix, uh, six and eight years older than me, they were always gone. They were upstairs. They had their girlfriends. You know, they were out doing their own things. And my other brother, Richard... He spent a lot of time with certain friends, and I stayed home quite a bit. And I would always hear the scratching of the some trees that was hitting the side of the house. Uh, every little sound, I'm thinking it's Candleface. You know, she's coming. Uh, this because even at the time, I was wondering if I'm dreaming or not. And so I'm thinking at the time, you know, this is for real. She's really here. So I was always looking over my shoulder, thinking that it was Candleface right there next to me. Yeah, I would imagine so. Um, so how did so you you clearly grew up with some really frightening experiences? How did that affect you for the rest of your life as an adult? Do you look back and think, "Man, I was an imaginative kid," or do you look back and think, "Holy crap"? 
Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I stuttered very bad. I, I had a chronic stutter. I had to take speech therapy for well over eight years. And to make it worse, my speech therapist's name, her name was Miss Schlossbacher. <laughs> that was a challenge, I'm sure. I and I stuttered so bad that I even stuttered between words. Usually a stutter would be able to get that first word out and they could continue until the next pause. But I stuttered every syllable of each word. Wow. So you had like a stutter and a stammer. Uh, I, it was horrible. And now I'm a chief briefer for generals. You know, this, What's this that is what mean? Well, I, I, I give briefs to generals. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and, and I, I spend most of my time speaking in front of people. So I, I like to look back and say, you know, I couldn't even speak to myself. You know, and now I speak in front of sometimes several hundred people at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, so was that all just speech therapy that, that got you through all of that then? I think it had, well, I think maybe I just grew out of it too. But mm -hmm. even today, I will sort of slur my speech. I'll have some kind of issues. But I think speech therapy just pretty much taught me like, okay, if you're just about to to slur one word or you're going to stutter on one particular word. You just choose a different word, and that's what I would do. I, I could feel myself just about to stutter, and I will just switch words, and I'll just continue going. Wow. Hmm. Um, so uh, Chuck dropped off the air, unfortunately. We're waiting for him to get back. So you may notice, like, a little phone ringing or something, and we're just going to ignore it and, and pretend it doesn't happen, but I wanted listeners to know that all of a sudden – Chuck is no longer here. It's not because I chased him away. Well, maybe it is. You just never know. Yeah, well, All right, it could so you, be Candleface not wanting to have him around. Could be Candleface. We have had just the weirdest, you know, it's like everybody today has thought at some point that they weren't going to be able to do this show, including you. So. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Just, you know, sometimes these things, they happen. So I also like that you've done some teen and young adult books because, I, like I mentioned earlier, I think, that, um, I think that it takes the right book to draw kids in, especially with all the things that compete for kids' attention now. When we were little, we had TV and cartoons and things like that. I don't know. You're probably a lot younger than I am. But, you know, when I was little, we had Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and books. Yeah, and, and outside. And, but now there's so many things that compete for kids' attention, you know, with all of the electronics and everything else, that I do think it takes a pretty special book to draw that child in to make them a lifetime, a lifelong reader. So I like that you're writing to this, um, to this age group. How, what, kind of, what kind of responses do you get from, from the kids who read your book? I do get a lot of good positive uh reviews from from children because two of my books the empty lot next door and the crawl space has a uh, an anti-bully type of message to it my brother richard was bullied relentlessly from neighborhood kids and even my uh, our own siblings um so i i like to focus on on anti-bullying type of uh of a message I have traveled to different elementary schools, to Boy Scout and Girl Scout clubs to, to talk about anti-bullying uh, messages and even suicide awareness. And 
I, I think children pick up on that right away. But one thing that is a little controversial, especially because I've had other radio interviews with psychologists and we go at it, uh, I am a believer that if you have a bully and if it gets to the point that maybe you need to put, uh, put up your dukes and, and fight back. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are totally against that. You got to talk to a teacher. You got to do this and got to do that, which I agree. But you got to, at some point, if it continues, you need to fight back. And that's what the empty lot next door, one of the underlying themes is you got to fight back. I fought mm-hmm. back Candleface, you know, that she was like my bully. And Richard fought back and um, ended up losing. You know, he fought back in a different way. He didn't fight back with his fist and he ended up losing his life. Hmm. And I fought back, and I'm still here. So a lot of my my books deal with not necessarily. I'm I'm not saying you have to fight back in my books, but it, that's something that you got to read a little bit more into. But it, it is important that bullies always focus on soft targets, just yes. like terrorism. Terrorists yes. always focus on soft targets. But if you make yourself a hard target, that bully is going to likely go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually, um, you know, we have two boys. Uh, one's college age and one's uh, finishing up high school. And um, we've we've had bullying inc- incidents, especially with the younger one, because he has Asperger's syndrome. And we've always told them, you know, here are some things you need to try. And, of course, the things you need to try first are are the more diplomatic and gentle things. Right. But at some point, if it continues, you need to make that bully stop. And if that means you have to punch him in the face, that's what you're going to do. And I'll come down to the school and I'll defend you for that. But right. let's try every other avenue first. Yeah. I My son, he, he's now... 18, but when he was maybe 13, he had a bully that was always picking on him while he walked home. And I kept telling my son, I says, you need to take off your backpack and and, and hit him. You may get your butt kicked, but he's probably never going to mess with you again. Right. And that's exactly what happened. One day he, he had enough. He took off his backpack and swung a few times and missed every time. But the bully at that point was like, this is no longer fun. This right. kid wants to fight back. It takes so, it takes one show of strength, and that's what we've told we told the kids. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, so. that's, that's, and that's really true because now that I'm back here again, sorry about that. Yeah, um, well, we and, still you know, love you. It's all right. You know, it's the weirdness of tonight. But um, you know, I I was bullied since I was a kid. I, I mean, I was bullied just drastically the whole time since I was younger. And uh, it, it, that, that's a very true statement that you need to fight back, regardless of what, if you, regardless if you win or lose, that's not really the point. The point right. is is to just show that you're not going to take it anymore, that you're going to stand up for yourself. And it's exactly what happened to me. I mean, I sure didn't win by any means when I finally stood up for myself, but it, it made them realize that, you know, it, it wasn't just going to be such a simple feat every time from that forward. So after that, it kind of got a little bit better for me as well. You know, I will tell you, though, that that's true for boy bullies, but girl bullies are very different. Girl bullies bully in very different and insidious and vicious ways that are much harder to fight back against. (laughs) Really? Girl bullies are horrible. Trust me. (laughs) 
Anybody who's ever been a teenage girl, oh yeah, girl, you know, girl bullies are, um, they do the vicious rumor spreading and the prank phone calls and the, you know, telling your boyfriend crap about you behind your back and, and stuff like that. And, and that's, uh, you know, and now I suppose they do it on Facebook or the Twitter or whatever. Oh yeah, social media has made it so much worse now, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, seriously, so, so what do you say to that, Art, when you've got a kid who, what if a kid's being bullied on social media? You don't, you can't punch somebody on social media. Yeah, you know, when it comes to that, I, I don't really have much of it advice because that is really something totally different. Like you said, you can't, it, it may not be wise to fight back in the sense yeah. you start making uh, threats back on social media because then you're yeah. just stooping to their, to, to their level. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I really, I really don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I just don't know how to deal with with that part. No, it's a it's a di- it's a different world that our kids grew up in than what we grew up in, and you know, and their kids are going to grow up in an even something more different. And with you know, with the cell phones and the texts and the computers and everything else, I mean, from what I understand now, thank goodness. Um, we've only had a little bit, a little bit of bullying problem um, with each of the boys, like that was easily taken care of. Um, but I just can't imagine. It's got to be relentless now. When I think about how mean girls were when I was in high school, many, yeah. many years ago, thirty years ago, <laughs> you know, um, it's it, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> You know, we didn't have computers or social networking. And so that psychological stuff has just got to be relentless for these poor kids, some of them. Yeah. I, I have a question about the, um, if you go back to the, the, the book, um, you know, okay. when you're, we're talking about the empty lot and the fire in the seventies and such like that. And I know you were saying you did go back and like, as you were older to do some research, kind of fill in some of the gaps and stuff like that and, and check into some of the stuff that you believe you remembered was true. Did did you ever look into the actual, like the home or the fire or any of the information that was given to see how factual that was? Yes, I did. Um, Fortunately for me, I I am an intelligence warrant officer, and a big portion of what I do is research. So I have a a good understanding of research, and I did some great research. uh, and, And I did come up with some... Uh, newspaper clippings of the house that burnt down. Wow. Uh, but to describe at that point, it would be a major spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, okay, then don't do that. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about that on break, <laughs> Yeah, it, it really does, that research, which is towards the end of the book, mm-hmm. really sets you know, the, the, the emotion of uh, how true the story is. Cool, cool. Now, with with some of the, all right, with, with, with like we're all like, yeah, little, yeah. All right, let's try this again. With like the bullies and such that were in the neighborhood, like I'm assuming that all, not all of them died, or there were bullies that didn't die, or whatever, or people that experienced this besides yourself. Did were there people that you you can come come in contact now that remember you? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah, I remember that stuff happening or, you know what I'm saying? Right. The A lot of the people that I associated with back then, I still associate with today. But those individual people aren't the bullies. We were all the same little 
um, group of people that hung out. But that does remind me of a fun story, though. Uh, Richard had a specific bully named Carlos. I really don't remember his name, but in the book, I just named him Carlos. Uh, he would pick on Richard the most. He would hit him in, on the right cheek. Richard would fall down and then stand back up and then say, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. And so then Richard, uh, uh, Carlos would say, okay, and hit him on the other cheek. And he uh -huh. was bullied relentlessly. But fast forward to high school, and a high school friend and I were driving <laughs> in East Austin, you know, where I'm from, and we saw this kid, Carlos, walking alone on the side of the road. So my friend and I pulled over, and <laughs> I'm not proud of this, but we actually got out of the car and we beat him up. It Whoa. was almost like a movie type of thing where we actually jumped out of our car and jumped him. And uh, like I say, you know, that was like 25 years ago. Uh -huh. But it was that it was that guy. So it was uh, what comes around and goes around, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, it actually sounds like there's there's sort of in the empty lot next door that that karma seems to sort of be a theme a little bit. Would you agree? Yes, but it wasn't really intentional. It, it wasn't my intention to make that a theme, uh, but it did come out that way. Yeah. Well, it sounds like I, I'm looking forward to reading the book and and seeing what I can get. So even though, so is your so the audience is actually both youths and adults then, right? Because you know they're going to see it differently. Children will always see it as a ghost story, while the adults would also see the ghost story, but then they will also see the bullying, the suicide awareness uh, aspects to the to the story. Okay, very good. So tell me about, uh, if you don't mind talking about it, about your brother Richard. What happened with him? Richard was um, very quiet. He Early on, he really loved poetry. He loved to uh, do magic. He loved to be in front of people. And in the empty lot next door, in the back of the lot, we had this big oak tree. And we actually, all the neighborhood kids, we built a stage for him and uh, a, like a treehouse, and he would then do magic tricks in this treehouse. He would um, tell stories. We loved his stories. He would tell stories about Boy Scouts lost in the woods, and we, we would even have our Boy Scout camping trips where there's other hundreds of other scouts, and people from other troops would come just to listen to Richard's stories, and he, he loved to do that. But through time, and, and I think it was the bullying that really got to him, his stories got more and more dark. It was no longer about Boy Scouts surviving the wilderness. It all became vampires and, and just horrible, horrible st stories. And um, he, he just got darker and darker. And eventually, you know, with the bullies, he just got to the point where he just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, one of my worst examples of, of his bullying was one Saturday morning. Like you said, we were watching Saturday morning cartoons, and our two older brothers came in, and they had paint around their mouths because they, they sniffed paint all the time. And we knew that a, a big beating is going to happen. And one of my brothers had an, an airplane 
just a, a paper airplane, and he was going to like throw it at my brother Richard. We're all laughing like, yeah, right, what is a little airplane going to do? But when he threw the plane and it hit my brother's leg, Richard starts screaming in pain. But what we found out is my brother put a sewing needle at the tip of the paper airplane. Oh. And then he started getting that paper airplane and just kept throwing it over and over again. And while my other brother held him down. But eventually, Richard got loose, ran to our bedroom, and he was trying to hide underneath, trying to get underneath the bed. But he got stuck exposing his butt. And so now that the paper airplane was too bloodied, it couldn't hold the, paper, the, the needle anymore. So he just, got, he just got the needle and started deliberate, deliberately just poking my brother's butt and legs with this needle all the way through. Mm. And to the point where... My brother was able to finally get deep down inside the bed, uh, underneath the bed. So uh, that's just one example of the horrible beatings and, and bullying. But my brother finally just couldn't take it. And in that empty lot, uh, he put a rope around one of the the support beams of our – our uh, the uh, – well, he, he just put a, a rope around the tree and then just ended up hanging himself. He just uh-huh. couldn't take it. He was 12 years old, and I was 11 years old. Oh, I'm so sorry. What a horrible thing that probably shaped your entire childhood, didn't it? It, it did, yeah. Because, uh, and, and it wasn't just him. It, it was several other people around the neighborhoods, and uh, from from kids his age to adults that's my age now. I mean, it, it was going... It was rampant at that time in that area. The suicide or just people dying? Uh, well, a little bit of both. Yeah, there was quite a bit of suicides. And, and uh, there was one particular suicide about three houses above us. It was uh, an elderly man that had, uh, I, I don't know what it was, some kind of ailment. And he couldn't take it, and he ended up shooting himself. And my brother Richard was so fascinated with all the attention, all the the police and the ambulances and the fire trucks and all the people around. And, and Richard was the one that was running to everybody, explaining to them what happened. And it was about maybe three months later is when my brother ended up doing uh, uh, committing suicide as well. Wow. So and this may not be a question that you can answer, but what do you, do you have anything in the neighborhood that you attribute that all of that, death and suicide to uh whether it's socioeconomic or supernatural or, or what what do you think i think a little bit of both but in the book okay. i do focus a lot on the supernatural mm-hmm. uh, just like how candleface actually interacted and showed me anthony's death by having the mm-hmm. the hot wheels and and the doll hitting each other uh i saw that quite a bit now, fast forward even many years, uh, a friend of mine that still uh, that moved out of the neighborhood, but they ended up coming back and living in the same house that he grew up in. Uh, this is one, you know, a, a few houses up from uh, from my house, mm-hmm. and he his uh, brother-in-law was living with him. And the day that they were supposed to get married, you know, him and his wife was going to get married, uh, went into their brother-in-law's house, uh, 
room, and he was. Uh, they found him dead. He was a healthy male, but he was actually sitting on the floor, like Indian style, leaning against the wall, looking towards a window, and his eyes and mouth were wide open. Hmm. Wow. And he never did any kind of drugs. He was a healthy male. And my my friend instantly thought Candleface is back. And they and, uh, eventually they get married. But right afterwards, they says, They're, we're out of here. And they moved right out of the neighborhood. Yeah, I think I might, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would. But you know, I, not even of, mind. I think I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of the people in my neighborhood, or at least the parents of my friends, were really against this book. They, you know, they they told really? me, uh, "Why are you bringing it back?" One particular uh, mother, one of my friends, says, "You know, I went to therapy for years to get this, you know, taken care of, and now you're bringing it back." Uh, so they were totally against it. Many people were. But after they read it, they realized, okay, Ray, you know, we, we know what you're doing. We we got it. We understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, well, it had that's to be, well, it had to be therapeutic for you to write it. You know? Right. It was very therapeutic because it was never really meant to be a book. I was, you know, I, I've told the story so many times, and, and I really wanted to find out for myself if, if I was really telling a real story. So. After doing a research and, and I found out that it was really true, it really happened. It was at that point when when I really realized this is actually very therapeutic. It, it really put pieces together. I think it's interesting that you you had a certain level of disassociation from it. It sounds like where you kind of wondered if it was even real or a story or your imagination or whatever, and until you actually started putting it down on paper and researching it uh do do you think that that level of disassociation you had from it do you think that was from trauma no i think it was just because i was trying to be logical oh yeah well we do that don't we yeah you know (laughs) even as a kid i'm thinking at the time is this really happening Mm-hmm. And then I would wake up and there would be the handprints on the windows or there would be the blue marks on my chest or yeah. there would be chunks of hair missing out of my out of my own head. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, am I doing that myself? But when I would wake up and I would look at my chest, Richard uh, getting ready for school right next to me will look at my chest and start laughing and snirk almost as if he knew what was going on. But we never communicated about it. We, we never talked about it. So, you know, even to this day, I never knew did he have his own issues with Candleface or, or anything. Probably. Uh, but he did have an imaginary friend named Griffin. Oh, which really? Which is very, very central to the, to the story. Uh, just like I was being haunted by or bullied by Candleface, he had a friend named Griffin. And uh, he said it was half lion, half human. And he would leave the house. Because remember, I, I said that I spent a lot of time at home because yeah. Richard would actually leave the house. And according to him, he would go to different universes. You know, he, he would ride Griffin into different universes and, and visit other civilizations that are more beautiful than Earth because Earth is just polluted and nasty and, and violent. And then he would come back a few hours later, and he'll tell me of these wonderful, beautiful stories of um, of Griffin. 
And that's another thing that I changed in the book because I don't remember those stories that my brother Richard told me. So I just made them up. So there, there's a few times in the book where I talk about the adventures of Richard and Griffin. And I tried my best to keep the, the central underlying theme to his stories. But, but yeah, he, uh, so he had this uh, imaginary friend, Griffin. Now, part of the research, this is very, very significant. Part of the research, I found out that um, and there wasn't a little girl that died in the fire. You know, according to the research that I've done, and a uh, now also in the book, I did mention at the end that Randy, one of my friends, helped me with the research, uh, which isn't quite true. I actually hired an, a private investigator to do a lot of the mm. research because I was in Korea, so I couldn't really do much. Uh, so this private investigator actually told me that according to the newspaper clippings, a little girl did not die in a fire. It was a little boy. So I wondered, then who's Candleface? It was it was a little girl that always came to me, either in my dreams or, or in, in reality. So what's up with the little boy? And then that's when he sent me the newspaper clippings, and the little boy that died in the fire's name is Griffin. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, things don't usually make me go, oh, but that one did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I didn't see that coming either. Yeah. Well, so, so your brother had some sensitivities then. He had some psychic abilities that mm-hmm. manifested at a very young age. What, uh, yeah, it could be. But at the time, he may not have felt that way. You know, it was just... No, no, I understand. Yeah. But from what you, the, from all of the things that you describe about him... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he would um, sit on the stairs, uh, the, mm-hmm. the porch. He would sit at the curb... And he would just talk to Griffin. And, of course, me and the other guys w- would just laugh and pick on him and you know call him crazy. But he's sitting there and talking as if somebody was really there next to him. Somebody was there. Somebody was there. Yep. That So when you found out that the kid's name was Griffin, did you go? <gasps> yeah, I thought I was fainting. Because it, but it just led to more questions. So my oh, sure. the question was, then who's Candleface? If it wasn't a little girl, it was a boy, then it, it just didn't make sense. So a little later, the investigator then also determined that my house, the one that I grew up in, was not built there. It was actually moved there from a different part of Austin. Hmm. And then I called my mother, and my mother was like, yeah, that's right, because – they bought the house dirt cheap, and they actually had it moved. I didn't know you you could do that, but they moved this. And it's not a big house, anyways. But you know, they moved the house, and that explains why the foundation was so much higher than the other houses. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, coming to find out too that the house was a duplex. When that would explain was, the doors, wouldn't it? Right, right. That explains the two front doors. Uh, coming to find out that it was a duplex, but half was burnt down when it was at the location at the place, really? and a little girl died in the fire. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! So, and yet you still wonder whether this was real or not? <laughs> Only because I'm trying to be logic, uh, logic, <laughs> trying you know to convince myself that okay, could it just all be? 
a big fluke. No. Uh, yeah, you know, here's, no. here's what I, I believe, is that coincidences do happen. However, how many coincidences do you have to have before it stops being coincidence? I'd say <laughs> in true. your case, you're probably yeah. crossed that line. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a paranormal investigator, and I'm very logical about what I, I, I everything too. I do, That's you know. True. Yeah, but at some point, when it's just when it's just At overwhelming. Some point you just have to go. Yeah. Okay, you go, then. okay. I get. I'm getting the message here. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, you at know, the same time, a- though, uh, once I, and, and you probably know this. You know, when somebody says, "Oh, I believe in ghosts," you all automatically get weird looks and like, "Oh, this yeah, guy's a freak." <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, That's my okay. own mother told me one time that. Um, she and now I've been doing this paranormal thing for quite some time now, and my parents have always kind of rolled their eyes. I mean, I write books about it, and they're very embarrassed by that. Um, but whatever. What my 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 mother says to me one day, well, I was talking to this my friend's son, and he's a cop, and he was telling me all of these weird ghost things that go on in his house. So I guess if a cop has had this happen, then ghosts must be real. It's like, lady, your daughter's been saying this for how long? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I'm not a cop. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, what's the state of your paranormal life these days? Have you, when after you left the neighborhood and entered into the real world of your life, your adult life, did you have experiences after that? Ye- well, yes and no. Uh, this is how the story ends, as far as the empty lot next door. <clears throat> it was at. <clears throat> excuse me. So. Just like the bullying thing, and I'll talk about how you have to fight back. There was one particular point when I decided to fight back, but I couldn't do it. So I asked in real life or in a dream. It was my brother Felix that actually fights Candleface, punches her in the face. And she then runs off, jumps back into the hole, and I never see her again. Uh so it was at the point when I fight back is when she stopped showing up. Uh, but fast forward a few years, and it was of my high school prom. And I'm, I'm taking my prom date home, and she lives way out in the country. And they have these sporadic uh, stoplight or the sporadic street lights every 100 meters or so apart. And while I'm under one of the lights, I see a little handprint on my uh the back window and i see it again when i get to the next light so i pull over because i'm thinking this is the first time in in six years i'm thinking of Candleface, and i go in the back i get out of the car and try to erase the handprint but i realize the handprint is in the inside of the car yeah. so i took and i don't have kids i was like 17 years old so i took it like Candleface is just letting me know that she's still around but I, I stopped, you know, thinking about it. And it wasn't until years later, when I'm in the military, uh, 1999, I'm I'm one day away from going to Kosovo, and I see little handprints on the window. And but I knew that it were they were made from uh, by my my kids. So, but yeah. it just reminded me of Candleface, and I ended up telling the whole story of Candleface to my wife. The big mistake I did it right before leaving to Kosovo. And my wife was so mad at me because she had to sleep with all the lights on and she couldn't she couldn't do anything because every time she heard the smallest little noise, she's thinking, Candleface. Oh. 
But since then, you know, I do. Uh, well, actually, here's here's a good one. Just a few days ago, there was a small handprint in our uh, in our master bathroom uh, window. And it was my son that's now 16 that sees it. And he says, Dad, you got to see this handprint. And so I go and I'm looking at it and I'm trying to be logical. And I says, OK, that could be my wife. For some reason, she touched way up there. And she's very short. But this mirror goes way up to the to the ceiling. I says, there's no way she could have touched that. And it's so small, you know, like like you would think of a little girl. And I showed my wife and she says, no, I didn't do that, you know. We're all looking at it, and everyone's like, uh-oh, here we go. Candle face is coming back. So it, it, it's been a – and that, that was only just last week. So uh, no candle face sightings since then. You know, we don't have a uh, you know, creepy little girl coming through the windows, <laughs> at least not yet. Wow. Well, she should mock her. Maybe that's what will bring her back. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's just letting you know that she's maybe she's checking in every once in a while with a handprint. Yeah, and I, I, I so. wouldn't, I, and I wouldn't go with the mocking either. By the way, no, yeah, that, that's what got me in this mess to begin yeah, with. Yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> no, we've learned. Uh, you yes, don't, you don't do that. Makes them mad. Yeah. Makes them mad and they do stuff to you. All right, so we have come to the part of the show that we like to call Shameless Self-Promotion Corner. This is where you get to promote yourself in any way, shape, or form you want. Books, books, names, where they can buy them, websites. So are you ready? I'm ready. Go for it. All right, well, if you're interested in The Empty Lot Next Door, you can purchase it from Amazon.com. You can just search for The Empty Lot Next Door. Uh, it is currently being reviewed for a possible episode on a haunting on the Discovery Channel. Uh, I've already passed several hurdles, so they just need to uh, make their their approval. Uh, the book has done very well. It is both for young adults and adults alike. So uh, I would give it a read, and uh, maybe after a few years, read it again, and it would be read totally different. So, I like to do uh, that with books anyway. Read them, read them a few years later, and see what happens. Right. Yeah, and it looks like a totally different book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get more information at theemptylotnextdoor.com. Okay. All right, and um, also the other way, branchingplotbooks.com as well. Right. 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 All right. Well, I thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been fascinating. Do you have any more books in the in the hopper? I have a few more. One of the uh, once I retire and I don't have to deal with the, the military anymore, I do plan on making a sequel or a, a prequel to the Empty Lot Next Door. I want to find out who Candleface was. If she was this girl that died in the fire of my own house when it was on the other side of the street, what's the circumstances of her death? Where does she come from? Mm. So I would like to go back to Austin, Texas, where this all occurred, and start researching and finding out. Was she murdered? You know, it, was she was she an evil person? You know, what was the circumstances of her life? Who was she? And then I would like to turn this into a prequel to The Empty Lot Next Door. Wow, fascinating. Well, it's been really interesting talking to you, and I'm really looking forward to reading the book. I'm sorry I didn't get to it before you um, came on the show, but it is on my Kindle. It's probably loading to it as we speak. Great. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, 
And I hope that the next, when you have another book out, you'll come back and talk to us again. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Thanks, you bet, Art. Art. Have a good evening. Right, you too. Bye-bye. All right. Good night. All right. There he goes. Art Mills, you guys. Uh, it sounds like a fascinating book. And, you know, even though even though he mentioned that it was for teens and young adults, it's also for old adults like us. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to reading it. All right. So, Cheryl, it's time for you to come on with your deep voice again. All right. I'm feeling a <laughs> little better. With your sexy better. phlegm no, voice. Yes. Better. Okay. All right. Hey, hey, Cheryl. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, so good guest, good call. So what else yeah. do we have coming up on the show? Yeah, the big yeah. show. Yeah, good guest. I want to thank Art for, for joining us and talking about his book. And um, I can't wait to read it. So yeah. looking forward to it. Um, next week, we have uh, Chris Melancon, And I'm mispronouncing that because I remember last time I did the same thing. Um, but he's the founder of the Paranormal Society of New Orleans and the owner of NOLA Ghost Hunting Tours. Cool. All right. Very yeah. good. Good stuff. Anything else? No. Uh, anything <laughs> with the magazine, my dear? No. We uh, we have uh, our October issue hopefully going online soon. Um, we had a you know to push it a little bit back due to our move cross country, but we will have a great issue out by hopefully the end of next week and, in time um, for Halloween in time for Halloween. And then we'll be back on track for November and readers or actually listeners can go to paranormalunderground.net and, um, get a PDF copy for something like four ninety five or something like that. Okay. <laughs> and, all um, right. yeah, they can get back issues there and all sorts of things. And uh, okay. other than that, just looking forward to, uh, you know, Halloween. I know, Karen, you hate Halloween. so. Well, we're actually doing um, ghost tours at the museum. We're not doing them on Halloween because the museum is having a, like, a haunted house kind of family-friendly party for the kids oh, nice. on Halloween. But the night after, which is a Saturday, November 1st, we're doing ghost tours. And seriously, we had them advertised for, like, mm-hmm. um a week and they sold out. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so we added another one and it's sold out already too. Whoa. That's crazy. Yeah. It's big popular. People have been asking. I mean, I'll be like in the grocery store and somebody will be like, Hey, are you going to do those ghost tours at the museum again? And, <laughs> and I'm always like, how do you know who I am? <laughs> but then I realize that I live in a town with, I live in a town with 6,000 people. And that's probably yeah. how they know who I am. <laughs> That's the ghost tour lady. Let's go talk to her. Oh, well, plus I write for the paper and, you know, a few oh, things like that, I suppose. Yeah. So, but my first, my first thing, whenever anybody like knows who I am for some reason, and I, I don't exactly know why, I, my first response is like, <gasps> what? <laughs> <laughs> we, we had this paranormal potluck <laughs> at the museum a couple of weeks ago and Elaine's team came, um, Whoopi came and one of the guys came in and, I introduced myself, and he said, wait, are you the Karen Frazier? And I was like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started laughing. And he said, no, really, I love your books. I was like, okay. Oh, that's so nice. Uh, I, thought he, I thought Elaine put him up to it, and he was making fun of me, but he was being sincere. <laughs> and here you are going, yeah, nice. whatever, buddy. You're like mocking him. That's nice. <laughs> Good going, Karen. <laughs> I know. I'm such a jerk. Well, it's because I, I just never, or, you know, or somebody would come up and be like, hey, I saw you on TV. It's like, what? 
<laughs> All right. God. Anywho, yeah, whatever. Um, so also I wanted to put out the call for your dreams. We want your dreams. Chuck, do you mind talking yes. a little bit about, because I did a dream interpretation for you, and uh-huh. um, it helped, right? Oh, man. It's just... It helped was an understatement. It, it it opened up a lot of it explained a lot. It really helped me move forward in the things that I'm dealing with now, which is my uh, psychic abilities. It sounds weird even when I say it, but it really it, you know it's really hard for me. But I mean, uh, when I'm starting to I'm starting to embrace it, and because of the what you did with the dream interpretation, it really it did explain a lot. It made a lot of sense. Um, and and they're as pretty, I got, they're uncannily accurate sometimes. Yeah, they? yeah, yeah. And I even, and I was even talking with Nancy about it, and she agreed, and we were talking about certain things about it, and it just opened my eyes to uh, quite a lot. So um, yes, uh, it, it really worked out great. I mean, it was, I, I have to thank you for that. Well, so I, I didn't do that so you would thank me. I actually did it because I want people to understand that that even though we call it an entertainment-only thing, it can be a valuable tool. And really, I did nothing. All I did was looked at your symbols and told you what they meant. Yeah, but by doing that, you... You had the dream. Right, I had the dream, but by you explaining it to me, I, you know, otherwise I'd have been like, okay, that's another weird dream. Chalk that up to some bad food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I you know, and, and you know, summarizing it, you know, I'm I'm in this place, and then I'm seeing these glowing jars, and you know, and I'm there's like, there's light is, all over in that. This, yeah, I'm like, this is making yeah. no sense whatsoever. And then you're like, oh, well, up, 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 up. I'm like. Pff. Oh, okay. Well, now it makes a whole lot of sense. And then knowing what I've been dealing with and, and, and starting to learn about my abilities and the fact that they're pretty strong, evidently, um, it's, it, and it's getting weirder and weirder as I go down this road. But, um, it, it yeah, does. It, mm-hmm. yeah it, it did. And I even wrote about it in the magazine. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it helped a lot. So, I mean, you might say that you just interpreted it and all that, but no, you actually helped me out quite a lot by doing that for me. But the reason I brought it up is because mm. anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice right now, here's the deal. Your dreams are telling you something. Mm-hmm. And they're not telling you in any way that's easy for you to understand. I mean, some are pretty no. freaking obvious. Yeah. Some are. Occasionally you have one and you wake up and it's like, yeah, I know that what that was about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. not always. No. And and so um if you have dreams and you feel like they're significant, um send them to Cheryl, send them to editor at paranormalunderground.net and we do this lovely little dream interpretation column in the magazine every month. And um I try to interpret about two two dreams a month. And so we would really like you to send the dreams. And here's the thing. we I'll put them in anonymously if you prefer. And Cheryl will send you the dream interpretation probably before the magazine even comes out. Isn't that so, mm-hmm. Cheryl? That is so. And so. She sends it as soon as I write it. Yes. Yep. So send Karen your dreams. Yeah, so send me your dreams, folks, because I really like interpreting them. And there's only a few of you where I thought, oh, boy, this person's mentally imbalanced. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, my my dream was probably a good good reason for you to say sometimes it just doesn't quite make sense because mine was like, what the hell was that? But it made total sense. Yes, it did. It did. Yeah, I mean, I've had, Chuck, I've had dreams where, you know, it's like two bearded guys in a VW bug or something. (laughs) 
And I get up and I think, there's no freaking way that this dream had any meeting. I just, I, I ate a taco. Yes. Or, you know, and then I'll sit there and I'll, I'll go through it and I'll go through the symbols and it's like, I'll be damned if it isn't exactly what's going on in my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> two, two bearded guys and a VW bug. There you go. <laughs> so send me your dreams or send them to Cheryl, editor at paranormalunderground.net. You can also send them to her on Facebook, um, at, through the Paranormal Underground Facebook page. Um, and we would love to interpret those for you. Remember, you have the dreams. I just tell you what they mean. And also, Chuck, you have another hour and a half on the air this evening. What's coming up on your show? Okay, what's coming up on my show is, of course, me. But besides that, I'm going to have... I'm going to have uh, Nancy Laporta, my lovely oh, friend in Transmedium. She's going to be on, and I have my friend Sean Snowberger, who is our tech manager now for Into Dark Investigations. And because he's going through the exact same thing I am, where all of a sudden we're noticing we have these abilities. You're having gonna... the psychic awakening yes, because psych- of your yes. paranormal investigations. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about that on my show and how Fantastic. we're dealing with it. And how you know what 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 it all means, and Nancy will be there, kind of like to you know keep us in check and explain things when we when when we start talking like you know rambling on and stuff, you know. Fantastic! So. I do understand the cognitive dissonance that you're experiencing right now. Ask Cheryl how long was it before I actually started using the word psychic in 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 reference uh, to myself? Um, a very long time. A very long time, and I still feel a little weird doing it. Yeah, it sounds weird when you say it. It just, it's just for me, it's very odd, and I, and it's weird because I would think I'd be comfortable with it, but it, it feels uncomfortable when I say it. I mean, I, I believe it, you know, I, I believe it, especially after some of the things that recently just happened. But um, uh, it's still, yeah, it's still a lot to, you know, actually, especially when you know I've been a paranormal investigator and I'm Mister Logical and blah blah blah, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh well, that explains why I'm getting good EVPs and why the spirits like to talk to me. Oh, that explains a whole lot of different things, you know. But um, just to actually start putting them together, it's it's a little it's it's weird. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, guess what? It's time to wrap up so that you can do your show. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Chuck. Yes. Thank you for coming on and sitting in for Rick. You know, you are a valuable part of the Paranormal Underground team, and we could not do this without you, and you are welcome here anytime. Aw, thanks, and I love you, Karen. You're the best. Ah, see, that's it. We don't have a (laughs) bromance because I'm not a bro. No, no, we don't. But otherwise, also would like to thank um, our guest, Art Mills. He was fantastic. Good storyteller. I mean, just a speaking storyteller does a great job. And Mm -hmm. so can you imagine reading his book? Oh, my God, I can't wait to read that book. That lights are going to be on when I'm reading that. When he starts saying at the end, and then this was put, I'm like, no way! You know what? I will read it. I will read his book as soon as I'm finished with Death by Food Pyramid. Well, that's a a showstopper right there. Death by Food Pyramid? It's an interesting book. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Stick around for Chucky G coming up for the next hour and a half. Going to be talking to Nancy Laporta. And um, I'm sorry, what was the person from your team's name? I'm so sorry. Sean Sean. Snowberger. Sean Snowberger. Hey, I've had a rough couple of weeks. I'm still not all put back together yet. It's all right, sweetie. It's okay. Yeah, it'll be be all good. I'll be less scattered next week, maybe. (laughs) That's okay. We had fun today. We had fun. We had a good time. So yeah. come back next week, guys, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Other times in the flyover states, thank you so much for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Y'all have a good night. 
you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio, email editor at paranormalunderground.net. Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at paranormalunderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network.